0: Hey everybody and welcome to today's episode where we're going to kind of just be bullshitting about the aftermath of the UFC Fight Night Covington vs. Woodley card. And this was a, I thought it was an exciting fight card man, especially if you guys tuned into the prelims. You guys got, they put on a show on the prelims man. It starts off with Tyson Nam knocking out Jerome Rivera in the second round. And this was a fight where Rivera has that kind of awkward striking style, he was looking for some you know... He was, he was throwing a variety of punches and kicks and everything. He was, I thought he was mixing things up really well against Nam and Nam was just kind of hunting for that right hand. And he, he started to find it a little bit as the first round wore on. And then the second round opens up and Rivera throws a leg kick and Nam times it perfectly and counters with the right hand. And he was looking to counter the leg kicks with the right hand all the way through the first round. Right. And, uh, Finally, just got the timing and the range and moved off the center line just a little bit and landed it perfectly, right? And then swarms Rivera to get the finish. So it was a great performance from Tyson Nam, and he's a guy too, man. Who he's really earned his spot. I don't know if you guys just heard my cat meow or not, but it made me laugh. He's a guy who has earned his spot in the UFC. Like he, he he's had a a long career, and uh, he's a real veteran, man. He's a little bit older, and to see him making the most of this opportunity. Uh, has been great to watch he's picked up two finishes now and uh great performance from him and congratulations to tyson Nam on a great fight andre yule picked up a decision win over uh erwin rivera randy costa knocked out Dr- journey newsome with that head kick and almost reminiscent of kevin lee versus gregor gillespie right the way journey fell back against the cage uh, nice knockout from randy costa first round finish for him how about derek minner submitting tj laramie and they kind of talked about this on the broadcast but they didn't take into account how good derrick minner's guillotines were and tj laramie is a wrestling heavy guy um great finish from laramer and i think this is going to be one of those fights for laramie where he's still got a lot of promise but at this level you got there are just certain things you have to be aware of right like i still think that he's going to be able to utilize his wrestling successfully But it's just got to be a learning experience for him, right? A little bit more aware of stuff. You're in a little bit more danger when you get to this level. So uh, like I, I think he'll be better for it. Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alpar had a very interesting fight. Jessica Rose Clark pouring it on strong in the third round, right? Hunting for the finish. And as they're up against the cage, she has Alpar pinned up against the cage, right? And Alpar drops down to try to, I think, just try to get down to her ass and like, prevent the knees because the knees would become illegal once she's there but on the way down jessica rose clark lands a knee to her face right and um her ass never really touched the ground and it was like a bang bang play (laughs) okay so the this is a tough one guys but like for me in that situation and there's no clear as far as i know and i'm not a rules expert by any means but i don't know of any clearly defined rule about what to do in that situation right like obviously if her ass is on the ground, then it's illegal, right? But in, if you're dropping down and sacrificing, you know what, you're, you're sacrificing position for safety. Like, you're not doing anything offensive or using technique to get out of it. You're just kind of going to a position of safety, dropping down there so that you can't get need right? In the moment... I kind of think that you should have to pay the pay the price for that. Like, if it's bang-bang like that, like if your ass were to go down and bounce off the mat and you got hit Simon. like, I kind of think that for going into that position, you should have to pay the punishment on the way down. Like, you're dropping into that position, and if it's bang-bang, I, I say you let the fight continue. But I'm not saying once you've settled into that, and this kind of reminds me of, like, the NFL rule when they were trying to figure out what a catch was, and they're like, well, you got to make a football move. Well... In this situation, what do you, like if if the rule is that once you're on the ground and you're grounded, you can't be knee in the face? Isn't it technically when your ass touches? This is why it needs to be more clearly defined. I think you should have to be settled into the position for a certain number of seconds, and then the knees become illegal, right? Like if you just drop down, like even a second or two, right? Like you should have to be on the ground for a reasonable amount of time, and then the knees shouldn't be able to come. But if you're just giving up position to avoid getting kneed and avoid taking a beating, like you should have to pay the consequence on the way down, in my opinion. Maybe that's a brutal take on it, but I don't know. It just, because here's the problem. If you, eat, eat, and everybody's talking about the replay, and Chris Tione has kind of been on two, like, very controversial things that people are going to bring up replay about now, right? The Ed Herman fight where he fought Mike Rodriguez, and Mike Rodriguez hit him with a clean shot to the body that dropped him, and Tione thought it was a low blow. Stop the fight, can't invoke replay, and Ed Herman was given time to recover and ends up winning, right? So now Tyone's in this situation where, what do you do, though? Because if you invoke replay, right, and determine that it's legal, you're just going to do what he ended up doing anyway and giving the position back to Jessica Rose Clark. But Alpar has still had an opportunity to recover while the replay's happening, right? And if you find that it was illegal... I guess the argument there would be that if it was an illegal shot and you used replay, that Alpar could be given the victory if she was unable to continue because of a disqualification, right, or a no contest or whatever it would end up being called. So it's like, I don't know. That's The rules need to be more clearly defined, and I think referees find themselves in these situations where there's just like a lot of nuance in MMA, and they're like, well, what the fuck do I do here, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I kind of think they need to in that- in, um, in that particular situation, I don't think Tyone should have called I think he should have let the fight continue because it was bang, bang, right? Like now, if she was just clearly had established herself on the ground and she did it, I'd be like, "All right, that's clearly illegal. Like we're going to stop this thing and determine whether Alpar can continue and make a decision based on that but and this, like I, I don't know, man, it's tough, it's tough. Let's move on. <laughs> I've, I've spent enough time rambling about it. All right, Mursad Bektig versus Damon Jackson was a really good fight, man. Mursad Bektig came out hot, right? Using a lot of energy. He uses a lot of explosive movements and was really dominating the grappling exchanges. But Jackson was doing a good job of just kind of being annoying and always staying defensive, right? And you've heard Dominic Cruz talking a lot about how Mursad Bektik prefers position over submission. It's true. He just wants to get to good position and he wants to beat up on you and he wants to beat you to the next position as you try to escape and just continue to pound on you and wear on you as the fight goes on. But I think that Jackson's style was just like enough that it burned Bektik out and Jackson was able to really get his game going in the third round, right? And you started to see him be a little more offensive with the jujitsu and, uh, Ends up submitting back so that was a really good fight, and another finish that you got to see, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped right over Mara Romero Barella, Uh, she was submitted by, I didn't, I I admitted, I missed this fight, guys, so I didn't get to see it, but I saw that it was a first round, I think it was an arm bar from Myra Bueno Silva over Mara Romero Barella, that's a mouthful, (laughs) Um, Jordan Espinoza and david dvorak fought to a decision uh i kind of thought espinoza started off hot and then dvorak just kind of picked up momentum and started finding everything as the fight wore on good fight there and then we move on to the main card and it opens up with kevin holland versus darren stewart and this was a this was a fight where (sighs) it was tough to score but i think i think kevin holland won the first round but both guys were landing like they both hurt each other in the first round. it was back and forth, but I just thought that Kevin Holland was more in control of the exchanges, was pushing forward a little bit more, had a little bit more success in the clinch. Darren Stewart landed a takedown in the second round, was landing some shots of his own. But again, Holland was landing. Holland does so many unique things in the octagon too. When you watch him fight, like he'll come in with that fucking like hammer fist. I don't even know what you want to call over. You know what I mean? He does a lot of weird stuff when he's striking and it's effective. And, um, I thought Darren Stewart did a good job of dealing with his awkward style and going in and keeping his guard high and tight and boxing him and shit and wrestling him, right? And um, he also, it was like a borderline takedown, whether you count it or not, but he landed that takedown at the very end of the second round. I don't know if that had an impact on one of the judges giving him that second round, because I looked at the scorecard, and I think two of the judges gave the first two rounds to Kevin Holland, but one of them gave the second round To Darren Stewart. And then Darren Stewart clearly won the third round. Right? So you ended up getting a split decision where Kevin Holland came out on top. Ah, It was close, man. I could see how you could give the second round to uh, Darren Stewart. But I really felt... I felt like Kevin Holland won the fight. Uh, I thought it was very close. That third round maybe though a 10-8. And then you end up closer to a... I don't know. It was a close fight, man. This fucking thing keeps moving. It's bugging the hell out of me. There. (laughs) Uh, But... uh, yeah uh it was i think holland won the fight but i could understand how you could give it to stewart if you gave him that second round it was a close round and stewart was tagging him with stuff man hurting him definitely and then that third round was dominant so it's 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 tough it was a really back and forth fight maybe closer to a draw than anything to be honest Mackenzie dern versus random marcos guys this fight i think i'm going to do a breakdown on this fight so keep an eye out for that But I just couldn't understand the game plan from Random Marcos. Random Marcos is one of those girls who, when she fights, her style almost, in a way, reminds me of TJ Dillashaw with her footwork patterns and stuff and the way she changes levels and just her stance and everything, right? I thought she would kind of try to utilize the footwork and try to, you know, make it a a kickboxing match against Mackenzie Dern, right? You got to watch out for Mackenzie's power. She will lunge at you with some big power and stuff. But mackenzie goes in there and starts firing off some shots and she misses a kick and falls and a and as opposed to just letting her back up random marcos engages in her guard and immediately she's fending off omoplata's triangles and she gets stuck in this triangle and uh mackenzie i think transitions off to an omoplata if i remember correctly and then transitions from there into an armbar and locks it up and it's like you got to realize Mackenzie Dern is world-class. If you're in an MMA fight with her, don't take it to the one place where she's going to have control no matter where it goes. And I, Randa Marcos is a good grappler. Like, if you watch a lot of her fights, she's very competent. Her, and if you saw even the way she was defending the triangle and stuff, she was doing a good job. It's not like she was – you know, it's not like she was – she was just – when you get into these extended grappling situations with world-class jiu-jitsu players, they almost always come out on top and you almost, you almost never submit them. Almost never. So engaging in these ground wars is just, it's so, it's so high risk and low reward. Do you know what I mean? Like, What are the odds that you're going to pound up a pound of Mackenzie Dern in her guard for five minutes and control the fight on the ground? Let it return to its feet and wear her out. And then maybe, maybe in the third round, even then, I wouldn't even recommend it. But if you've got her beaten up and stuff and maybe you drop her and you've got an opportunity to finish, that's a different story because her head's kind of out of it and you, you, you're on the offensive. But good Lord, in the very first round when she's fresh, when you guys are both dry, it was just a mistake on Random Marcos' part. And Randa Marcos is one of those girls who, like I said, is a very she's a very talented martial artist. Just uh, You've got to wonder how the fight would have gone if she had made a different decision there moving on to johnny walker versus ryan Spann, this fight was crazy right uh they both kind of hurt each other early on and uh it wasn't the most technical fight you're gonna f- see it was more of a brawl but johnny walker ends up after battling through some adversity there a little bit got dropped and Spann was on top of him and uh raining down some blows while controlling johnny on the ground looked like johnny was gonna get finished there and um he was defending a takedown up against the cage and just started raining down those hammer fists on the side of Ryan Spann's head and picked up the finish and a uh, big win for Johnny Walker getting back in the wing column. But, uh, you know, it was a, it was a brawl. It was a brawl. It was a fun fight to watch. And, uh, you know, Johnny Walker, like I said, back on track. It was trying to, where is he at now? SPG straight blast gym in ireland training with kavanaugh so uh yeah maybe that's the answer man i don't know he's he's been bouncing around i think he was in montreal for a little bit and now he's up there and it's like maybe he's found a home that matters for guys man the chemistry and everything between you and your team and just all that you know it's and you you think and i I mean i don't know either guy personally so i'm making assumptions here but like johnny walker seems like a very wild kind of free-spirited loose guy and for like he was training in montreal with for Sahabi, who seems very, like, and not that Johnny Walker <laughs> isn't or anything, but he just seems very philosophical and very serious about his approach to everything. You know what I mean? Like, very zen. And Johnny's kind of loose and stuff, so maybe he needs that people who match that personality. So I don't know what the gym culture's like either, but maybe he's found that at SBG Ireland. I don't know. Anyway, moving on to the middleweight bout between Kamzak Kimaev and Gerald Mearshark. And this was a fight, guys, where – what is this? This has been – I keep mispronouncing his name. I want to say Kazmat. This is his third fight in, I think, 66 days. And he goes in against a veteran in Gerald Mearshart and knocks him out in the first round with one fucking punch. Hits him square on the chin. and I mean, Gerald collapses like a fucking ton of bricks. Just falls to the ground unconscious immediately. And Mark Smith, the referee – he was on that shit so fast, like he didn't even—he didn't give—he uh, did not give Kamaya the chance to follow up at all. So credit to Mark Smith on being aware in that situation. That was, I thought, <laughs> a fucking great performance from him. If anything, you know what I mean. He saved Gerald some blows there, but. This guy has picked up three wins in sixty-six days and he's dominated everybody that he fought. And guys, Gerald Meershar is a veteran. He's a good martial artist. He's got a he's more wins than he does losses, twice as many wins, I think, something like that. And um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's he I'm not saying he's world class or upper echelon or anything like that, but Gerald Meerschard is a legit martial artist, and this guy just blew through him in under a minute. Seventeen seconds, not even thirty seconds. It's I mean it's impressive and he's also proven that he's got this grappling style that's very hard to deal with and now you see this one punch knockout power it's like ooh. and dana white's calling him the most special fighter he's ever seen man you see why they double booked him now right and also though you look at this fight and if you're gerald mearshart you're worried about the grappling and i think that's why mearshart was kind of carrying his hands low right because you're worried about fending off a takedown but mearshart was also circling into his power side man he was circling to the right of Kamayev the entire time. And once he got him pinned up against the cage, there was nowhere for him to go. Kamayev just kind of threw out some feints with his left hand and brought the right hand straight down the fucking pipe and it landed square on the chin. And, man, it was, uh, you know, a testament to why there's so much fucking hype about this kid. You got to be excited about him now, even if you weren't before, right? Like, what he just did is no joke. And he's going to, I think, what's he fighting next? Damien Maya. Jeez, and and if I mean now that you see that he can do that, you got to be terrified for Maya because Maya's specialty is groundwork, right? And you got to, I mean, you got to have a. I have a hard time thinking Maya is going to be able to stand and trade with this guy. So it's going to be like, if Kamaev goes in, and what if he dominates Damian Maya in these grappling transitions and stuff? You're going to be like, "Hmm, what the fuck's going on here? Right? This guy's. I mean there's reason to be excited about him and uh i can't wait to see what's next for him man he's impressive and he just keeps it's like and he's not he's not even really facing adversity in these fights he's just blitzing through people like he's just going through fucking training partners or something right he's i mean he doesn't even really need rest nothing even happened to him in this fight he's probably ready to go he's probably ready to fight again in a week or two it's it's insane put this guy on the fucking gaitry and habib card right? Get him on there. Get him on that pay-per-view main card somewhere, man. He's he's impressive. And the question is going to be now, what's next for him? And, you know, like they said, there's Maya, but now, I don't know. I think there's a ton of opportunity opened up for him after that, right? Maybe somebody bigger than Maya. I don't know. Fuck. It's it's fucking hard to tell. We'll see. We'll see. And he's fighting. I think this fight, it was, what, 185? So, I mean... scary at 170 and 185. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to the Cerrone versus Nico Price fight. Nico Price, I think, I think guys, I think he won the first round. I think he, uh, hurt Donald and Donald maybe started to get into a rhythm a little bit at the end of the first round, but those two eye pokes ended up taking a point from Nico and, uh, you get a nine, nine in the first. I think Nico won the second. And then I think Cerrone won the third. So the fact that it's called a draw, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable call. And the question that's going to come out of all this is, what's next for Cowboy? Does he need to start thinking about retirement? And I, I think that's a question that can only be answered by Cowboy. I think, in my opinion, just analyzing his career and how he looked against Nico Price, just being completely honest, whether it's at 170, 155, I don't see Cowboy competing with the upper echelon of that division anymore. I don't see him beating a Habib or a Gaethje or a Connor or a Ferguson. And he's kind of proven, I mean, that he's not going to throughout his career, right? So the question becomes, are you okay with fighting guys who are kind of maybe on their way up through the career? And you maybe, I don't even, like a gatekeeper role in a way, right? Where you're fighting this middle of the road guys. If, that, if you're okay with doing that because you genuinely just love fighting, Cowboy didn't look terrible in this fight. As the fight wore on, I mean, he's the question is going to be, are you okay with going in against guys like Nico Price 2 and taking damage in that first round and dealing with guys coming out hot and trying to hurt you? Because it's it's a known thing that you're a slow starter now and you're not getting younger, right? So guys are going to come out and try to take you out in the first round. But you kind of see in fights like this one and in fights against like Alexander Hernandez, if he can weather that storm, he's still very good and very technical, right? But... I don't know. I think it's a question for Cowboy to answer. I think if you leave it up to him, though, I don't think he's ever going to quit, and he's always probably going to look competitive. It's just what kind of long term damage is he going to take if he continues to do this? Because, like I said, even if he wins the fight, he's going to have young guys coming for his head, right? Like they're going to be coming out trying to knock him the fuck out and take advantage of the fact that he is a slow starter. Like you don't want to go and start stretching into the third round against Cowboy, right? But. I don't know. We'll see. If I had to guess, uh, I'm going to say that that is not Cowboy's last fight. I highly doubt that he won. I know Dana White said he wants to have talks with him and stuff, but I highly doubt Cowboy Cerrone's last fight is going to be a draw, right? I just don't see him ending his career that way. It would be so uncharacteristic of him, in my opinion. All right, so we move on to the main event now, and there's a lot of animosity between these two guys, Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley woodley's lost his last two fights right covington lost against usman and then did covington come back and beat why is this slipping my mind i think did covington come back and beat somebody after um after he lost to kamaru i think he did no he didn't i was thinking robbie lawler but he fought robbie right before he fought kamaru sorry guys okay but um Covington comes into this fight coming off of his loss against Usman. Then uh, I think we cleared that up, and uh, he's going in against Woodley, who's lost to Gilbert Burns uh, and Kamaru Usman. Right, so you're wondering, and both of those guys. And if you look at this fight on paper coming into it, it's a terrible matchup for Tyron Woodley. He's it, he's it's been proven that he struggle with he struggles with guys that pressure him. And that's all Colby Covington does. And he closes off space pretty well, and he actually uses his boxing pretty effectively to set things up, right? To set up his takedowns and stuff and his clinch work up against the cage. Uh, Colby Covington, regardless, if you can just ignore all the noise, is a very talented fighter. He annoys me too when he's running his mouth on the mic, but he's trying to make money for himself and draw attention, and he's trying to be controversial. Whatever. Ignore all that. The man is super talented, and he's definitely one of the best in the division. And... He just put it on Woodley, man. He just, you know, like I said, Woodley, and you saw it, there were glimpses of Woodley utilizing some head movement and stuff and finding success and returning fire and countering. But there were also, and this has been a problem with Woodley throughout his career that you see, right? Like, he has a tendency to let himself get backed up against the cage. And when you're fighting guys like Darren Till and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, that's not necessarily a bad thing because they like to maintain space and you're explosive, right? And it's like you, you you saw that in both of those fights, Woodley was able to fire off the right hand as they were pressuring him, right? But when you got a guy like Covington, he wants to crowd your space, right? He wants to box you and then he wants to work to take you down. So it's 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 just a bad matchup stylistically, especially considering what you've seen from the last two fights and Colby kind of exposed that, right? And like I said, You got to see glimpses of the fact that Tyron Woodley was a veteran in this fight. Like, you got to see him at the end of the second round starting to utilize a little bit of head movement. But overall, Covington just dominated him, man, just being honest. And now you look at, again, and kind of thinking about where Woodley's at in his career and what's next for him. I don't think retirement's a terrible option, man. Woodley is one of those guys who, like, he hasn't taken a ton of damage to the head throughout his career or anything like that like he's definitely been hitting stuff right but he's been relatively i think he's made it through most of his fights relatively unscathed right like he's definitely been in some some wars and stuff and been hit but i think get out while you have your mental health intact you know it's just you've had a great career you've held you've held the welterweight title you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu you were a d1 wrestler Championship caliber wrestler. I mean, you you've done enough in your career, and it just seems like as you get older, these guys like Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. They have a they have a style matchup that the best in the best in your division have stylistic matchups that on paper don't they don't bode well for you if you're Tyron Woodley, and the division is just. Eh. It's tough, man. It's going to be tough for Tyron Woodley to ever win a title again at 170 pounds. And if you're not fighting for that, if you're Woodley, what are you doing? Because Woodley has expressed that he has other interests throughout his career, right? Like, his, he likes rapping and shit like that. And, you know, I think he could pursue other things and be successful there. So if I'm Woodley, I'm, I'm seriously considering retirement, right? I think Woodley can be competitive against a lot of guys in the division. Like, if you put him against a lot of guys in the top 10, he might school them. You know what I mean? Woodley's strong, he's got good wrestling. Um, he's still got tremendous power in his hands. And, you know, if you get against someone who's not quite the caliber that Colby or Kamaru is, I think Woodley could probably have success. It's just, is that the type of career you want to have, right? Where you're successful until you run in against the very elite guys in your division. So, a lot of thinking to do for Woodley, but if I was him, I would be given serious consideration. I would seriously be considering retirement and exploring other options while, you know, you're still relatively young and healthy. Uh, and for Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman are already scheduled to fight. I really like Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. I'm more interested in that fight than Masvidal versus Diaz, especially because like if I know that it was called early and everything, but guys, Masvidal is kind of fucking Diaz up. And you can make the argument that Diaz comes alive later in rounds and stuff, and that might be true, but just... Covington is some... They have animosity, right? And we've already seen a glimpse of what happens when Jorge and Nate fight. Covington is coming off of a big win against one of the top guys in the division, right? Mosfadal was just helping Woodley train for this fight. The storyline's all there. I think Covington versus Mosfadal is the fight to make, man. I think it's the most interesting fight in the division right now other than the title fight between Usman and Gilbert Burns. And I just think that, you know... Covington has that relentless pace where he's coming after you all the time in a way similar to what Kamaru did. And if you give Mosfidal a full camp, is he gonna be able to deal with Colby, right? And then if Colby beats Mosfidal, it only makes him a, it only makes him more famous, and it probably earns him a shot a shot at the winner of Usman and Burns. That fight is probably a title eliminator, right? Because also if Mosfidal can somehow if he can beat Colby Covington and deal with that pressure and everything, with a full camp, you're going to go, oh, well, maybe he can do that against Usman when he's fully trained, you know? So I think that's the fight to make, and especially if Masvidal wants to seek out the welterweight title again, I'd be fighting Colby Covington if I was him. I think that's the best fight for the UFC to make, and I think it's the best fight for both of those guys. I think it's a, I think it's a title, it's a title contender. You know, the winner of that is going to be next in line for the shot against the belt, I would imagine. But um, I think that's going to wrap this one up, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, it was a great fight card. And uh, I'll give a breakdown out for the fights coming up this weekend between Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. They're headlining UFC 256 or 253. Uh, let me double check. I think it's too. Why do I want to? I'm getting this mixed up. Two fifty three. I wanted to say two fifty six for some reason. But yeah, two fifty three Adesanya versus Costa. That's gonna be a great fight. And uh both guys are undefeated and it's gonna determine the new middleweight champion of the world. So looking forward to that. But thank you everybody for tuning in. If you are listening to this on uh Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, it's also available on YouTube and obviously vice versa, right? So uh check us out there. Um yeah, check us out on Instagram. I have an Instagram page, but to be honest, guys, I don't really update it that often. I got to get better about that. But uh, it's uh, Alec Dilo MMA is the name of the Instagram page if you want to follow me there. And uh, yeah, thank you again for tuning in. Bye-bye.